0: Welcome to the Undiscovered Gems podcast, hosted by NBA legend and business powerhouse Charles D. Smith, highlighting today's best and brightest business minds.
1: Hi, everyone, and the show, what an exciting show we have today. We are sitting with Philip A. Greenberg. This is a gentleman that has reached the top 5% in his field of work. Philip is a legal matrimonial attorney, a super attorney as they call him in the Metro New York area. When somebody's reached this pinnacle of success, you wanna listen, you wanna pay attention because we're going to learn a lot. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's wonderful to be here. Nice, nice. So Philip, when we begin the show, we always wanna know how did a person start? Because that start is very critical. And a lot of times the people that we interviewed, is it was it their passion? Was it the money? Was it somebody who kind of pushed
0: them in the area? How did you get your start? So that's a good question. And um, on that one, I don't know anyone who quite came into the law the way I did. Um, I wanted to be an actor. Um, I had a good singing voice until my voice changed. I was fat. I was funny. Um, you know, I wanted to be uh, a Jackie. This dates me, but I wanted to be like a Jackie Gleason. Um, I always started in school plays. And so when I started in the seventh grade, I was planning to be an actor, singer, comedian. Um, and But I was also... Uh, Abe Lincoln was was my role model. And I was very interested in law. And of course, I enjoyed watching the TV shows about uh, trial practice. And at the ripe old age of 12, it suddenly hit me. um, Since I want to go in Abe Lincoln's footsteps, and he wasn't an actor, um, and I would like to go into politics and be a statesman, I should be a lawyer. I was 12 years old and uh, can I call you Michael? Oh, can I call you Charles? By the way, Michael <laughs> Smith is is the lawyer I, I've, I've worked with. I'm sorry about that. So can I call you Charles? Absolutely. Okay, so Charles, if you and I were went to Brooklyn together, um, I could show you the exact spot where I was crossing the street on East 7th and Quartelli Road in Brooklyn when it suddenly hit me you're not going to be an actor, you're going to be a lawyer. And I never look back, Charles. Um, you know, there was a lot of reason. My mother always wanted me to be a doctor. Um, my mother's family, most of my, uh, i you can't tell from my name, but I'm half French. And my French side of my family, most of my cousins became doctors and married doctors. So, and my mother, to the point of not only tried to move me over to medicine, but as I was going to my seat at my law school graduation at NYU, she came up to me and said, quote, it's not too late. You can still be a doctor. So, mm. but I didn't listen to others. Others said, oh, you should be a dentist. You should, you should, uh, you should be a professor, whatever it was. And I never looked back. And so that's how I came to the legal profession. Um, I had no idea. And money was not an issue. I came from a poor family. It's not that money wasn't an issue. But I, I really wasn't aware that lawyers can make a good living. Um, I didn't come from a family. Of, as a matter of fact, there were no lawyers in my family. Um, even on my American side, there was one doctor. French side, there were loads of doctors. Um, no lawyers. Um, there have been some since since I became a lawyer, and um, so yeah, it was essentially, and again, we don't have time in a 30-minute interview, but then uh, if if we have to do a follow-up interview, I'll tell you how it happened that Abe Lincoln was my role model, because that is not an easy story either. I'm sure there are a zillion people who had George Washington, Abe Lincoln, whatever, they have all these role models. Uh, But how I came to aid Lincoln also was not the typical path.
1: Got it. Well, let me ask you, uh, uh, Attorney Greenberg, what are some of the key factors that uh, a person should look at when they are in need of a matrimonial lawyer? Okay. What are some of the things that they
0: should consider? That's a really, really good question. The most important thing, Um, there's so many important things, but I think the most important thing is you should feel comfortable with this person. It's not like, Mm. uh, you know, you're buying a house, you spend a little time in a contract of sale, a title report, yada, yada, yada. um, In 60 days, you're done. Um, When you hire a divorce lawyer, especially if yours is gonna be a contentious divorce, if there's issues of custody or heavy finances, You're going to be spending a lot of time talking with that lawyer uh, on the phone, in person, these days, Zoom calls. Um, So you should really feel comfortable with this person. Is this somebody that I really want to spend a lot of time talking and writing to for the next year or two, maybe longer? Especially in New York, divorces could take much, a contentious divorce could take much more than two years. Um, so you, you've got to be comfortable. And the other thing, which is maybe equally important, is they have to share your philosophy. Um, for example, let's say you're a father, and I represent a lot of men. I, have of course, represented women also. Let's say you're a father, and you truly believe that uh, you're the better of the two parents and you should have custody of the children. Um, A lot of lawyers in the year 2023 still have a 1950s mindset and would Mm. say to a man, well, you know, I I know more men are getting custody these days, but really the children belong with their mother. Um, Mm. And if that's your lawyer's philosophy and your goal is to get custody or at least joint custody, then you probably have the wrong lawyer. Um, And I go on and on along those lines. I'll I'll just give you one quick example. Uh, Years ago, I was on uh, the Jackie Mason show. Uh, He had a um, celebrity audience and I got actually got a lot of calls as a result of being the matrimonial attorney on two of his shows. And um, someone called me and said her son, uh, who's a doctor in Massachusetts, is getting divorced and he wants to get custody. Of his children. And I'm not admitted in Massachusetts. I'm admitted in New York, New Jersey. But I had a counterpart in a counterpart firm in Massachusetts. So I called them, and I spoke to the matrimonial attorney in that firm. And the first thing I said is, I got a call from a woman. Her son is a doctor. Before I finished the first sentence, the lawyer said to me, quote, oh, he's too busy to have custody because he's a doctor. So she was definitely mm-hmm. not the right person. And again, I don't want to make this a gender issue, but I can tell you that very often when um, the mother is is a physician, uh, the approach is a lot different. Oh, what a great role model for the children. She should have custody. Amazing, the, the rules change. So your lawyer has got to share your philosophy um, mm-hmm and your goals. And I don't mean that he should, he or she should, well, there's no she here. I'm the he. That It, it doesn't mean that he is telling you what you want to hear um, or over promising. Because unfortunately, a lot of lawyers get cases, especially if it's a nice juicy divorce case, where they tell the client what they want to hear. Oh, yeah, you're definitely going to get support. Or if, let's say it, it's Someone who's concerned about having to pay a lot of maintenance slash alimony, and he said, "Oh, don't worry. You know, your wife used to be a teacher. Yeah, twenty five years ago, and uh, yeah, she's not going to get maintenance." And then at some point, the reality sets in, and really, the lawyer just overpromised to get the case. So it's you know, it's so on one hand, you got to make sure that the lawyer shares your philosophy, but on the other hand, you got to make sure he's not being a politician or a salesperson and just letting you hear what you want to hear. And the last thing I'll say about that, by the way, I'm like my wife, I always say it's the last thing and then I keep going. But (laughs) The last thing I will say about that, uh, Charles, is that I have had cases and clients initially call me, meet with me, I don't tell them what they want to hear. You know, uh, I had an example of a case where the wife, I was retained by the wife. I I was shocked that she retained me because she made a lot more money than her husband and she didn't want to pay him support. And I said, there's no way you're not going to pay any support. The best we're going to do is it'll be a manageable amount and it won't be for too long. It was a long marriage. Uh, But that's the best. But you're going to wind up paying support. So I never thought I'd hear from her again, but sure enough, she called me said, Mr. Greenberg, I want to retain you. So I didn't tell her what she wanted to hear, but I told her the truth and I told her how we could make the best of that truth. And sure enough, um, she wound up only paying in a like 30 plus year marriage, a, a couple of years of maintenance, in New York it's called maintenance, in New Jersey it's called alimony, and in a very, ama- a very manageable amount
1: right great i want you to just back up a little sure. bit because we're losing your mouth on the screen oh i'm sorry i'm sorry no problem there you go um i didn't want to interrupt no. you but uh, no in your 40 years experience if, actually if 49. Again,
0: but go ahead
1: but who's counting in your 50 years experience <laughs>
0: okay. i just gotta be promotion yeah
1: <laughs> uh let me ask you this question: um, You've you've seen a lot of attorneys, mm-hmm. lawyers, so yes. ton of experience. So if I'm a client and I, I'm looking for an attorney, what would you tell the audience are the best characteristics that you need to look for in a good
0: lawyer? Well, of course, I, as I already said, you should feel comfortable, and also he should share your philosophy. Um, you've got to. Uh, make sure he has the knowledge and the experience. You don't Mm -hmm. want him learning on your case. And the fact that somebody like me has been practicing 49, you got me up to 50, um, he may never have done... I can tell you this, uh, Charles. When I was a young lawyer, I I really hated to turn things away, not for the money, because I was an associate. I wasn't... I was getting paid a salary, but when you're a young lawyer, you feel like you want to and you can't do everything. Um, I did immigration, you name it. Uh, um, intellectual property, just about any area of law you could think of. I normally would not turn the clients away. I'd bring in some experts um, to make sure I service them properly, but I wouldn't. Now, if someone calls me and says, oh, I need an immigration attorney, I look in my book, oh, this one's good. They call me. I need an intellectual property attorney. I said this is a firm I've worked with before. I'll give you their information. Um, so you definitely don't want your lawyer uh, learning on your case. So if they have a unique issue, uh, a unique custody, a unique financial issue, um, very complicated, you know, finances. Um, Ask the question, have you ever had a case like this? Um you know, and you know, if it's a young lawyer, maybe the answer is no, and and, and you know, maybe they're less expensive and whatever. But if it's a seasoned attorney he says, Well, yeah, yeah I, I never really had to deal with that issue before. Um, you really gotta wonder, say, Well, okay, then how can you handle this case? And they say, Well, I haven't haven't had a relocation case but I've done 30, relocation is connection with custody. I haven't done a relocation case, but I've done 30 custody cases and really the issues are the same. The criteria in New York and New Jersey is the best interest of the child, whether it's a matter of a parent relocating or it's a matter of who should be the residential parent. And so if they can show you that they have relevant related experience, Maybe they're still the right attorney, but uh, sometimes they won't be, and you really want to uh, question them. And I realize most, most. By the way, I've represented a lot of attorneys, Charles. So not all my clients, yeah, not all my clients are going to be non-lawyers, but you know, most, of course, are are laymen and uh layman vis-a-vis law i mean the doctors they're sure. not you would consider a layman but but they're layman when it comes to the law um and so of course it's it's not that easy just like it may not be that easy to choose a surgeon if you have no medical background sure. but you know you still have common sense you have your own experience you have your own philosophy and you have to make sure that that they're all in sync
1: right you know, again, um, and I'm kind of hammering this one point sure. home, um, and it's for the audience and people who, you know, potentially go through divorce. What are some of the common, if, if you've had 50 cases or 100 cases, mm-hmm. what would you say some of the common cases are that come your way? Or, or, or is there a common case or something well, that you've seen?
0: Well, there's not a common case, but you, you certainly have a common stream. I would say mm-hmm. that, and again, uh, we're not talking about the two-year marriage, no children, renting an okay. apartment, few assets, uh, more or huh. less, like they just realize it's it's not working out. Um, and by the way, when when someone like that comes to my office, I, I tell them, get a younger, hungrier lawyer, because... Uh, you don't need an expensive experienced divorce lawyer to handle, you know, two-year childless marriage where both of you are self-supporting. I guess the common stream wouldn't be a specific issue, but that's that most clients have a certain agenda. Most clients have a thing that is one or two things that are most important to them. Maybe it's that they're going to have a relationship with their children after the divorce. Uh, you know, especially you know, if you're talking about minor children, it may be that they want to have a financial life after their divorce. If it's a long marriage, let's say the person was the primary sole support, uh, he recognizes that based upon the law, he may have to pay support for a long time and in a pretty high amount. And so his, his goal is going to be he recognizes that there's going to be pain, but that the pain won't be so bad that he won't be able to really go on. Um, I've, I've heard people say, oh, you know, now I can get on with my life. I finished my, my daughter, just graduated from college. So after 10 years of child support, I don't have to support her anymore. Um, and maybe you can't avoid that. But as I say, there's going to be a common. There tends to be one or two common threads that are most important to a, a person. And and you know, look, some people are getting divorced because they want to marry somebody else. So mm-hmm. there, the common thread may not be financial, may not be custody. It'll be speed. You know, I've got this guy warming up in a bullpen. And if this takes too long, um, he may join another team. So right. a lot of times speed for some people, speed is the most important part. Um, yeah. So that's it. The common thread is that clients usually have one or two agendas, one or two points that are most important to them.
1: Yeah, you, you triggered something when you said team, I started thinking competitively. Yeah. And you're a competitor too, you know, you, you right. don't wanna lose. So um, you know, I get people to ask me what was your, your your best game, what was your worst game? So I'm just gonna ask you, uh oh <laughs> what was your most you can
0: Wow, um I don't get the easy ones. In fact, uh <laughs> my my wife always I told you before that if an easy one comes in, I tell them to find a younger, hungrier lawyer, or I will find them a younger, hungry. So uh, my wife, uh, one of her many complaints about me, by the way, I'm happily married, but, you know, it's just part of being happily married. You still get a lot of complaints. So one of her biggest complaints about me is that I only take the hard cases. So Mm. I guess uh, if I had to pull one out of the hundreds and hundreds of cases, it's a case you can look up. It's called Cross versus Cross. Uh, it was the couple was never uh, never went through a marriage ceremony. Uh, they had an eighteen year relationship. Uh, one child. Uh, the woman, I'm going to call her the woman, called herself Mrs. Cross. And uh, anyway, at some point, he said, um, "I'm I'm moving out. You know, I I can't stand all this bickering. Yada yada yada." And she said, oh, well, I'm going to divorce you and get you for every penny you've got. And so said, you can't divorce me. We're not married. And mm. so she took the position. Um, and if I stop boring you, just let me know. She took the position that they had a common law marriage. They lived in New York. And if you look up in the law books, you'll see that New York abolished common law marriage in 1933. So you say, well, where is she coming from here? This was in the 1980s where is she coming from 50 years after New York abolished common law marriage. However, New York, as with every state in this country, if you contract a common law marriage in one of those jurisdictions that still have common law marriage, your state will recognize it. So she took the position that when they went to Pennsylvania, when they went to Washington DC, they had contracted a common law marriage. So even though the case was tried in New York, it was tried um, under the, the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and D.C. law, and the case went up on appeal four times. I was the fourth attorney representing Mr. Cross. She had also changed lawyers several times. I'm always the last one, by the way, Charles, no matter how many lawyers are before me, I'm always the last one. So, of course, I was the last one. Case went up on appeal four times, it had already gone up on appeal three times before we had the trial at a five-day trial against one of the top um, divorce lawyers in New York. In fact, he still is decades later one of the top divorce lawyers and he won. The judge, uh, Miriam Altman ruled after a five-day trial that they had contracted a common law marriage in DC or Pennsylvania. I appealed and, um, and it was a very difficult appeal. If, if you know anything about appeals, 90 percent of the time you lose and uh, so it was a very difficult appeal appellate division first department unanimously affirmed uh, excuse me unanimously reversed and with mm. me that they did not have a common law marriage Wow! and intellectually it's not the only appeal i ever won of course but intellectually it was the most satisfying win i ever had this is 1988 because the judges wrote a long opinion, and the opinion was practically lifted from my brief. So actually wow. and the following year, um, the star of the big chill, um, I think his last name is Hurt, uh, Jennings, it was a case called Jennings v. Hurt. It was actually televised, and the precedent that both sides argued was cross v. cross. In other words, Jennings' lawyers argued that this was different from Cross v. Cross. It was being tried in New York. And uh, um, Hurt, the actor, um, argued that, no, this is just like Cross v. Cross. And the lawyers from both sides were calling me to pick my brain. And when Uh when Justice Silberman wrote her decision, finding that there was not a common law marriage, the only precedent she relied on was Cross v. So, wow.
1: congratulations.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. So it's a very, very tough case. Um, I thought of writing a book about it. By the way, if I do survive to to retirement, I do have a couple of books in my head, but CrossFit Cross is not one of them. In fact, if it was, I wouldn't have told you about it. I'd, you know, make you wait for the book. Um, but there were twists and turns in that case that I really probably would make a good book. It was the third, well, let us say, my client had had two um, ceremonial marriages, in other words, unquestionably legal marriages. Um, she also had had a ceremonial marriage and there were, there were twists and turns with that also. And again, um, maybe you will have to wait for the book to find yeah. out what those twists and turns were.
1: All right, well, clearly you have a competitive spirit and I would say to your wife, that's, not, that's why you're not retiring because you're still competing and you want to win. So, uh, another one question, just for me along these lines: Who is that one person that you don't have to say the name? But do you have somebody that when you go up against in court, you're like, "All right, I got to be on my my A game." This person is pretty good.
0: Yeah, uh, I've come. A, I've been against a lot of pretty good people. Um, I would say my adversary in that cross case, um, as I say, he's one of the, was and still is one of the leading divorce lawyers in New York, and because I won't mention his name. Um, mm. One thing, Charles, and, and, and I, I know, uh, well, I shouldn't speak for basketball players because I'm not <laughs> really that much of a sports fan, but I, I would think that even the best Uh, basketball players uh, you might look at and say you know what I would have made that shot differently or I would have played it differently Mm -hmm. so uh, with this other lawyer in that five day trial um, there are some things I would have done differently if I was him but um, he was really um, you know he was good at what he did Uh, thoroughly prepared of course I was thoroughly prepared too um, and um, and you know, ultimately, convinced the lower court judge. But fortunately, I was able to convince the five judges at the appellate division. Otherwise, uh, but but I've had a lot. One other who I won't mention, but I think is a good quality for those who, you know, your people out there who are either looking for lawyers or want to become lawyers, is that one. There are a handful of lawyers, um, and I'm not sure I'm one of them who they can get knocked down and they get right back up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: a lot of lawyers, if they get really knocked down by a judge, um, they don't really do a good job of getting back up. But I can think of a couple of adversaries of mine. They just kept coming at you. There was one, actually there's one lawyer we'll mention cause he's, he's deceased now. And he and I were very fond of each other. His name was Arnold Davis. And talk about people who never retired. My last case with him, he was 88 years old, had leukemia. Um, he uh, could barely walk, um, and but he had all his models. And he used to tell me that the one thing he's glad he never did is he didn't retire. And he mm. was a lawyer who always kept coming at you. He might make an argument in court and be totally off base and get totally crammed on him. And he would get back up and make a new argument, and maybe that one would work. He was never flustered. No matter how bad he lost on a point, he was never flustered. And that awesome. made him a very difficult, even though he and I had tremendous respect for each other, it made him a very difficult adversary. He he always had a he, he always had a one up you. And yeah. uh, and sometimes he, he totally failed, but again. You would just shake it, shake it off, and move on to something else, and maybe the next point would be the winner.
1: Well, that's that's a great story, and that's a testament to you because obviously, if you're going up against these people and they never quit, that says you never quit either. So that's a testament to you. Um, you have a book on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Course insights. Yes. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about that. If they grab it, what they can expect to read.
0: Yeah. So that's. That's, of course, I recommend it. Oh, by the way, I have no financial interest. Part of the deal is that all the royalties go to charities. So I have no no financial skin in the game, Um, but it was a book. I I wrote the first chapter. Uh, It wasn't my decision that my chapter would be the first, but I'm glad it is. The um, Amazon put together a group of, what they considered leading divorce professionals throughout the country. I think I'm the only New York lawyer who had a chapter. Each of us were assigned a chapter. And I covered a lot of the things that we've been talking about in the interview as to, you know, what to look for in a lawyer, the the, uh, traps to try to avoid in divorce, kind of professionals you may have to hire besides lawyers, such as an accountant, maybe psychologist, depends on the issues in the case. Um, And one of the, I think it's the last chapter, I haven't actually looked at my own book lately. I think last chapter was written by a divorce professional who is not a divorce lawyer, but it was a psychological, you know, specialized in counseling people who are going through divorce and then also... Had testified often as an expert witness, um, so it's 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 really a great read. It's soft color, it's a soft cover. Um, it won't take you a long time to read it. I know it's still sold on Amazon, and especially for someone who's thinking about divorce or getting divorced or whatever, um, or just interested in divorce, which t- unfortunately touches everybody. Um, it it's it's a good read it's an easy read you'll learn a lot from it um and all the professionals in that book write in a very easy to understand way um about the um you know the 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 complications with divorce so i recommend that book and as i say you can go on amazon and buy it i think it's about eighteen dollars as i say i have no skin in the game so uh but how um,
1: you do the charity is going to a good cause and that's Oh, 100%. That's
0: oh, when I yeah. said I have no skin in the game, I shouldn't put it that way. I do yeah, have yeah, that's in the cool. game. I, that's I want awesome. the charities to benefit. Um, it's certainly good for the public. I, I know a lot of copies have been sold. It's it's good for the public because it provides them with an easy read on very, a very complicated, difficult areas. Uh, of life and of law. Um, And uh, as I say, yeah. And of course, the the charities benefit also. So yeah, I do have a skin in the game. I just don't have a financial interest in the game.
1: Attorney Philip A. Greenberg. What a competitor. I can ask you a zillion questions along those lines based on your career, your expertise, what you've accomplished. Um, This is coming to a close. Sure. Uh, Unfortunately. I literally can ask you a zillion more questions. But I want to give you an opportunity just to give a kind of give a parting shot to the audience based on your knowledge, based on what you've done in your career. What do you want them to know that they didn't hear so far?
0: Well, I think the most important thing is that a lawyer should be a um, every professional. But I I, have enough trouble speaking for lawyers. It should be a complete person um clients unfortunately they have their own problems they don't want to hear your problems and Mm -hmm. if you're going to be on top of your game you have to be uh physically and mentally on top i'm 75 years old i go to the gym seven mornings a week i was there this morning of course Um, would have never guessed
1: would have never guessed
0: yeah no alcohol, no tobacco, no drugs, and no wild and and no wild and wanton women. So wow. I would say if there's anything is make sure that you have a lawyer who's uh, physically and mentally strong um, and is going to focus on your problems, not on their own. Maybe it's selfish. But awesome when you interview. hire a doctor, a lawyer, or a dentist, you, you got to be a little bit selfish.
1: Attorney Greenberg, thank you for your time. Well, thank Wonderful you. show, great insights. I learned a lot. I hope we can do this again. Sure. I want you just to ask questions off the record, but it was a great interview. Thank you for your time.
0: Well, thank you, uh, Charles. You, you were a great interviewer. So thank,
1: <laughs> thank you. All right.
0: We hope you enjoy this episode of Undiscovered Gems with our host, Charles D. Smith, highlighting today's best and brightest business minds. Brought to you by Pods Entertainment Group.